0: Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You are listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online, and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art. Check out our monthly art competitions and exhibitions, our blog and newsletter view videos of our artists' work, and listen to artist interviews from the show. Today, our guest is Jay Friedenberg. Jay captures landscapes and cityscapes in photographs that are digitally altered in an impressionist manner. He is also a painter and has extensively studied pastel technique and art theory. Jay has attended painting workshops by leading artists in the field of painting, both in studio and in plein air. In addition, he has published several graphic design books and exhibited geometric poster art. Well, good morning, Jay, and welcome to An Artist Speaks.
1: Good morning to you, Michael.
0: glad to have you on the show today. And let's start off by having you tell the audience just a little bit more about yourself, Jay.
1: Okay, I'd uh, be happy to do that, Mike. Um, First of all, I'm not an artist by complete profession. I'm actually a psychology (laughs) professor at Manhattan College up here in New York City and um, I do research in visual perception and more specifically than that I do research in an area called empirical aesthetics which is um, uh, trying to understand what aspects of shape are considered uh, beautiful. So Um, For example, we'll put up different kinds of patterns on the screen, dot patterns, polygons, and then we'll vary them systematically and look how that affects people's uh, beauty judgments of them. So I sort of do the science side of art. More recently, let's say the past uh, ten, maybe five to seven years or so ago, um, I started getting more involved in real art, doing actual art, And um, I work in a number of different areas. I do both graphic design, digital photo art, and I can tell you a little bit more later about what that is. And I also do some pastel landscapes. Um, And I'm currently now represented by three different art galleries, one in Brooklyn, one in the East Village here in Manhattan, and another one which is upstate in Tivoli, New York.
0: So that's a very brief summary. (laughs) Well, now, in your uh, graphic design, was that uh, kind of an offshoot of your studies on the scientific side?
1: Um, Yes. I mean, as a scientist, you try to start off with very simple things. You don't want to complicate it um, because it's just easy to vary something that's simple, and then you can look at that effect on people's judgments. Um, So I I, I, I think actually... When I first started off, I was doing a little bit more simple patterns. I did some poster art, um, which I actually exhibited at the college that I work at. Um, But Mm -hmm. since then, I've sort of evolved into doing more complicated stuff, uh, which is the digital photo art, where I take a
0: picture, and then I do some uh, alterations on it using software. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So uh, where do you get your inspiration for your photographs? Oh, wow. I mean, I get inspiration from many different sources. Uh,
1: living here in the Big Apple, um, there's lots of city scenes for, for me to work uh, upon. So, for example, I've, I've done quite a, quite a few photos of the New York City skyline from elevated locations. You can go to the top of the Rockefeller building, um, and I've gotten some fantastic pictures at sunset and uh, and at night. Uh, from both that location and also the Empire State Building and the new One World Trade Center. Um, but in to, in addition to that, I do a lot of traveling, so I typically go to different places in the U.S. and also abroad, and there's plenty of beautiful beautiful landscapes to,
0: to see there.
1: For example, my wife and I were just uh, not too long ago out in California, and we went to Bodega Bay um, on the California coast. It was just north of San Francisco. And it's amazingly beautiful out there. They've got cliffs with water crashing on the rocks and beautiful wildflowers. So uh, one of my, one of my uh, beliefs is that if you want to create something, you want to create like a beautiful photo, go to a beautiful place. It makes it a lot easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's a words of wisdom there. That always helps. Start with something beautiful. Uh, it's, a, it's a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, you know, I mean, it, if you start with something that is already very beautiful, then you find out that the amount of work you have to do, sort of post processing, is a lot less, <laughs> um, rather than having to work to make some some image uh, try to be better that maybe is not inherently so good to start off with.
0: Well, when did you first become interested in doing uh, your uh, photographic art?
1: Um, I think, you know, so I was interested in art actually very early on as a child. Um, my father was an art collector, so we actually had art around the house, uh, both paintings and, and sculpture and some other stuff as well. So I think part of it was being inspired by seeing that as a, as a kid. Uh, also, I think I'm, I'm a bit of a visual thinker, I tend to see things and think about things in a visual manner. So I really first got interested in doing art when I was a kid. I thought about going to art school, but didn't do it. Instead, I became a psychologist. And then I guess I sort of did things in reverse. I sort of uh, got interested in doing science and psychology and then um, explored art as as more of a secondary
0: career uh, later in my life. Well, Jay, why don't you take the audience through the process? Uh, what do you do next then with that photograph?
1: Well, I I have a process. Um, As you said, I do start with the photo. Start with a beautiful place, take the photo, and Mm -hmm. I I work with a a Nikon uh, D7200 camera, which is uh, pretty high-resolution photos. Um, Mm -hmm. I start with that, and then I will... Actually, I have one of two processes. If the photo by itself looks good... Um, I can just stay with that because sometimes the photo, even though if it's unaltered, you know, depending on the light conditions and the clarity and everything else is so good that you don't even really need to do anything else with it. But um, uh, my second sort of uh, flow process here is to go towards using filters in, uh, in software. So, for example, uh, I'll use Photoshop, uh, Topaz Impression, Auto Painter. There are a variety uh, different software tools that are available to actually change the photo, make it more colorful, um, introduce various effects like sparkles and radiating lines and blurs and things like that. Um, so there's a the whole process where you can just experiment to introduce different interesting effects. Um, and lately, what I've just this past several months started doing is something totally new. What I, uh, these are what I call pixel paintings. And I'm, I'm painting directly over the digital photo uh, in Photoshop using a software brush. So mm-hmm. I have a Wacom pad and a stylus. And you can literally use that to paint on top of the image as if you were just painting onto a canvas uh using a real brush and, and oil. So that process is actually quite uh quite interesting. I've I've turned out several works that I've posted on my Facebook site and I really like the way they, they look. I'm gonna probably exhibit those in a solo show I have coming up uh in
0: uh in October of this year. Well and then on your uh pastel painting as that's something that uh, you more recently become involved with?
1: Yeah, I, I also, I probably should have mentioned this, but I also do some pastel landscapes. Um, this is a more traditional medium. Um, pastels are fantastic because they're so vividly colorful. Um, in fact, they're, they're more colorful than oils or acrylics, and I like them very much for that reason. Um, I also like pastels because they lay down like well. oftentimes we use like a sanded surface or a textured paper surface that really grips the pigment and produces a very vivid uh artwork and so i've been doing pastels and i i tend to focus mostly on landscapes um i do these in addition to the to the digital stuff i have attended a couple of workshops with very uh well-known people in the pastel community and um i'm very attracted to to the to pastels and to the type of artists who do work in that area uh so it's for, for me it's sort of like a balance doing the more the more modern uh, technological type of art um but then also the more traditional
0: pastel media well i'm sure as a professor that keeps you uh very busy uh, How much time do you try to make for your art each week, Jay? (laughs) I wish I had more time,
1: Um, but I I unfortunately don't. I do have a day job. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I try to spend a couple – I try to spend like an hour or two every day doing art-related activities. Unfortunately, that's not always the actual creation of the art itself, and frequently I find myself um, just doing what I call the uh, business of art, um, which is sort of getting online to social media, posting works that you, that I've that I've done, um, sort of doing marketing and uh, uh, you know, for example, right now I've got a show coming up in June uh, at at the 440 Gallery in Park Slope in Brooklyn, and we're working on doing the cards, to do the advertising for that event. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things that uh, I think you find is once you start doing art seriously, is that the actual business of doing the art can occupy more time than the creation of the artwork itself.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is that is so w- true. I, that is I, so true. I know.
1: I, I wish that were not the case, but um, I think to be a successful mm-hmm. artist, you really have to do both.
0: Yes, you do. You do. And, you know, a lot of times that's the hardest thing for an artist is to, you know, it's kind of the left brain, right brain, uh, function and artists a lot of times do struggle with the, the business side of, of art. Yeah,
1: I, I, I would agree. And, um, you know, you have to sort of, I often think of uh, as an artist, you have to wear two hats, you know, we all, we all want to wear the beret, right? Which So we put on the French beret <laughs> and that's sort of artistic, uh, creative, right brain side. And then, you know, that's, that's, that's the part of you that does the painting and, and, um, but then you have to sort of take that off and put on your, I don't know, your accounting hat or something like that because you've got to run the
0: numbers and,
1: and do the postings and so forth. So it, it does, it
0: doesn't involve both. <laughs> well, I'm sure between both of those and your, and uh, your teaching that uh, keeps your day very full.
1: Yes. Uh, I am, I'm, i there's no doubt about it. I, uh, I'm juggling many different things. It does keep me busy, but it's uh it's a labor of love, you know, I mean, when you like what you're doing, you don't see it as work. You just, you, you see it as, as, as play. And uh, so I, you know, i I really look forward to the time where I can actually, you know, do my art. It's not, it's not something that, I've, you know, that I have to say, Oh, I wish I didn't have to do, but it's uh right. it's a balance, right? I mean, you've got to, you've got to
0: manage all the other things that are going,
1: going on in your life uh, concurrently.
0: Well, Jay, has there been an individual or another artist that uh, you feel has greatly influenced your artwork?
1: Yeah, I've I've actually done some amount of. I I should mention I collect art books, and I find I uh, I find that it's a lot easier to do that than to collect art
0: <laughs> because you know
1: you buy you see a painting you love. Oh it's five hundred dollars uh, okay mm-hmm. um well, for five hundred dollars, I could buy a lot of art books um, <laughs> that's true so <laughs> so that that's sort of my way of learning about art and i i I've, I've studied a little bit of you know art history and I know a lot about different artists both both from the past and also contemporary um, and there's uh there's a lot of different artists that I like but i I have to say that impressionism is certainly the Style that's had the most influence on me. And I love the French Impressionists, obviously, people like Monet, but there are a lot of American Impressionists who also have also done some wonderful work, people like Berger Sanzin. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, also, but uh, there was a movement called Salvism in, in, in France, mm-hmm. which sort of followed the Impressionist movement. And those artists were very much about using intense color and even using color inappropriately, so painting a tree like red or purple or something like that to, uh, you know, to sort of make it stand out. And so I like many of the fauvist artists as well, for example, people like uh, Andre Durain. Um, and as far as contemporary work goes, pastels, uh, if, if, if people, list, you you just go online, you do a, do a search for pastel artists, Or you go to the website of the Pastel Society of America, you'll see some fantastic stuff. Um, I think that the pastel artists still work more in an older tradition in which they're trying to capture landscape, uh, trying to capture subjects, in either a realist or an impressionist manner, um, in which they're paying attention to sort of the rules of color and value and so forth. And I I find that that uh, is also very appealing to me. So. there are a lot of uh, contemporary pastel artists whose work I I admire as well, and who've had I, sh- I should say who've had an influence on the type of stuff that I do.
0: Well, and uh, we haven't talked. Uh, let's talk briefly. Uh, you do uh, plein air painting. Tell the tell us about. <laughs> well, you
1: know, I like. I <laughs> wish I could do more plein air painting.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm a
1: big fan of. I'm a huge fan of plein air and. Um, I subscribe to the plein air magazine and I track some of the plain air paint outs, which take place around the U S um, on an almost daily basis. It's very popular now. It's sort of seeing a, a mm-hmm. resurgence. And, um, so people love taking their easel out into the wild and, and you know, painting mm-hmm. nature as they see it. Um, it's very challenging because the light changes over time. And so you have to work mm-hmm. fast. Um, but what that but that actually produces a, a a great work in which the 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 work is a little more fluid and and um, not as sort of rigid and constrained and so it adds a it adds a sort of a unique element uh, to that. I I do some plein air work. Most of the stuff I do is in studio based on photographs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I as I said in. Partaking of the pastel workshops, um, those are mostly plein air. So, what's what's great is that a lot of these workshops are offered in beautiful places. So, you know, like going to Southern France or going to the California coast or maybe to the uh, American Southwest, where you have uh, you know the
0: fantastic desert scenery. So, uh, so
1: yeah. So I do a lot. I do some of the plein air when I do the those workshops.
0: Oh, you just found that. Uh... Very entertaining to, to attend those because you do. You have to work fast, and you know a lot of them. Um, you have to complete the work too by the time it's done. So that's right. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah, and I think I think a lot of uh, plein air artists don't always finish everything they do in the field, and they come back and they'll. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they'll either do it from memory or they would have taken a photo at the time and they'll sort of complete it on that. Uh, on that. But it's a challenge, right? Like, so can you do it? Mm-hmm. So you give yourself, you know, 15 minutes or something to, do, to paint that scene in front of you. And it really mm-hmm. forces you to, to, to go faster, to be more fluid, to see things mm-hmm. in terms of masses and shapes and not, and not as details. And uh, I very much like that, that style of work. Well, Jay,
0: I think now is a good time to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, talk about some of the uh, photographs that you recently entered into a competition here at Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Sure. Sounds good. I want to let our listeners know that you can view and purchase Jay Friedenberg's artwork by going to Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Uh, Click on the, the Artist tab and then follow it to Jay Friedenberg's name. And Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants. So if you're an artist seeking gallery representation, click on the artist member corner and follow the prompts under the member application process tab. And if you're a designer or an architect or just a lover of great art who believes that art can turn a house into a home, then come visit us and review some of the wonderful art created by some of the finest artists from around the world. You can search by style, medium, color, size, or, of course, by the individual artist. And again, to view Jay Friedenberg's beautiful art, just click on the search gallery and follow the prompts to Jay's name. Well, Jay, uh, the winning piece that you submitted was called Moon Over the Misbegotten. Uh, Tell the audience about that uh, particular piece.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, that, that piece was taken from the top of the Rockefeller building um, in August uh, of last year. It's a beautiful summer day, very clear, uh, and I timed it so I got some pictures, both of the uh, scenes with the sunset and also of nighttime views. And this one is a nighttime view. It's uh, very tall. It shows part of uh, the Manhattan skyline, and above that you see the moon. And the moon mm-hmm. is illuminating in silver light some of the clouds that are around it. And I think what I, what I liked so much about this particular image was the comparison with the city lights below and the natural light above.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the name Moon uh, Moon Over the Misbegotten mm-hmm. is a little bit of a uh, of a play on the play, uh, and um, it sort of reflects maybe some of the sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that go on in people's lives. So the moon is a bit of a lonely, sad sort of subject, and a Moon Over the Misbegotten was uh, a you know sort of sort of a play on the loneliness that the people in the you know the people in the big city might be feeling. So I thought the two together, the city below and the and the clouds and the moon above made it made a nice sort of uh, metaphor there.
0: Yeah, did you do some digitally enhancing on uh, this particular photograph?
1: No, actually I did not on on that one. That was pretty much just a plain photo. It came out quite nice. Um it, it, you know, I do some I do some retouching, so um there might have been some adjustment for contrast and and noise and so forth but um that photo on its own came out pretty good so there weren't there weren't a lot of effects added to it there weren't in fact there weren't any effects added to it it was just uh it was just sort of a cleanup process after the origin after taking the original photo
0: well it certainly is a gorgeous photo of the skyline and and all of the different colors uh, of the lights there in the city as well with the and but the, as you mentioned then you have that natural lighting of the silvery moon above it's it's a gorgeous photograph oh well thank you and then another uh piece that you entered was called Metroplex tell tell us about that piece yeah
1: this one so this one was also taken uh from the top of that rockefeller building same night in fact all three of the ones that I entered were taken on the uh, uh on the same occasion and this one is facing mm. south towards, down, towards downtown. So you're seeing the Manhattan, uh, you're seeing sort of uh, Manhattan Midtown. The buildings in Midtown, which are mostly skyscrapers, are rising up very tall. You see the Empire State Building um, and a lot of other uh, very large skyscrapers. Beyond that, you can see uh, One World Trade and a little bit of New York Harbor and uh, A bridge, very small bridge, off off into the distance. So this this is just an iconic view of New York City. So you probably see this, um, you might see this in postcards and so forth. Um, This one in particular, this image, I thought captured a lot of the sort of twinkling lights that are off in the distance, and, Mm -hmm. and as well, some of the lights that are coming from the windows of the buildings. So you see almost like a constellation, almost like a star field of mm-hmm. uh, different lights, some of them large, because they're closer, some of them far away, because they're a little bit smaller. Um, so yeah, so I, I thought this one sort of uh, was in some way also reflecting nature, because you can't see the stars in the sky above this one, but it's almost as if the stars are below, right that the city has become the universe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that's a very uh, colorful piece. Uh, lots, lots of color, bright colors, and then you have the contrast with the, you know, the darker sky and, and the uh, background there. And then, uh, so let's finish. You took uh, another photograph. Now this looks more like maybe around sunset. It's called Golden Hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a Golden Hour.
1: In fact. Uh, the golden hours—that are uh, those times during the day when the sun is very low on the horizon—and it's really, in my opinion, the best time to take pictures because you get, everything is suffused with, uh, if the if the atmospheric conditions are right, with a a warm color. So you get a lot of reds and oranges and yellows on objects that you don't normally get. Um, and in fact, when the sun is directly overhead, everything is, is uh, you don't get shadows, so you don't you don't oftentimes get sort of three dimensionality. And when you're facing into the sun, everything's just too washed out and too bright. So, sort of optimally, mm-hmm. optimally, you want the sun behind you, but you want it low on the horizon. And that was the case for this uh, this picture. Um, I waited until the sun was shining on some of the buildings of the Upper West Side so you can see both that and the trees of Central Park and and one of the lakes Mm -hmm. in Central Park Um, you can also Mm -hmm. see Hudson River and the George Washington Bridge Um, the photo is, this one is filtered so this one did have uh, effects applied to it, Um, I was Mm -hmm. trying to introduce a sort of Seurat pointillist type effect so um, often to the distance, you get a little bit of a blurring and, and some of the smaller buildings turn into dots um, and this is actually an effect that i that I like of where you introduce color in a mosaic pattern, so um, not it's sort of where the color doesn't completely form the object it it forms like a blob or a dot and you put, lots of little bits of color like that next to each other. And then when you sort of step back, and and that kind of produces this pointillist effect in which it's almost as if your brain has to sort of complete the object. You know, it's like it's like you're not looking at the object itself. Um, you're looking at the pieces. But when you see it, your brain sort of reconstructs the whole object and you see it. Um, so so I, I, for that reason, I like Seurat and some of the other uh, pointillists uh, impressionist uh, artists. That that was the mm-hmm. effect that I was going for here, and you you can you can see you can see that especially in uh,
0: some of the smaller buildings. Well, and it it almost looks like a painting rather than a photograph.
1: Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, I mean, yeah. the, what's interesting <laughs> about the use of this software is that there are different parameters that you can use. Okay, so you can sort of increase the saturation or you can increase the size of the blob, making it smaller or larger. So in this case, you know, I I, I could have made the buildings almost disappear. They would have appeared just like amorphous shapes, or you could vary one of those parameters and you can just increase the amount of detail that's present. And then all of a sudden they start to look more like buildings. So, The software is quite nice. It actually allows you to uh, exhibit a variety of different, not only just a variety of different artistic styles, but also within each artistic style Mm -hmm. to vary the type of effect that that uh, that you want. So um, you have it's sort of not like pushing a button and getting like one (laughs) image. It's more you know you have a lot of different choices that you need to make and a lot of and sort of some some degrees of freedom over uh, over the outcome of what you
0: want the picture to be. Well, Jay, when you're looking at a photograph, uh, what is the process you go through in, in just determining, you know, is a, is a photograph good as it is, kind of a standalone, or, or you say, wow, this would really be good if I did this? I mean, what's that process that you go through when you're looking at the photographs?
1: Yeah, um, I mean... <laughs> You know, I think all artists have this moment where you look at something
0: and you say, "Oh, you
1: know, you've tried to make it better, you've done this fix, you've done that fix. Nothing works." You're like, "Okay, it's going into the garbage, right?" <laughs> um, that's <laughs> certainly the case for me. I'll have a you know, I have some images where it's like, "Yeah, you try this, try that, ah, nothing works. Just, you know, delete whatever, move on. Go to the next one." Um, <laughs> but uh in in many cases you can you can save something and I mean, I think that sort of depends on the on what you're working with to begin with. Um, uh, i mean I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in composition and some of the mm-hmm. s- standard principles of composition. Um, Car- there was a guy named Carlson who wrote a book on landscape composition and back in the, uh, back in the early 20th century, and um, he outlined a lot of the basic rules for composition and so um, I sort of follow those. I also tend to follow a little bit of color theory in terms of putting light, co- you know, certain colors together that go well together. Um, uh-huh. So, yes, yeah, so it's a variety of things. I mean, um, oftentimes you have a painting that requires a lot of work, but it ends up being good in the end. Um, sometimes the painting just starts off great and the way it is, and you have very little things that you need to do to it but um i'm i am a big believer in color and especially in saturated color and one thing i do to almost mm-hmm. every piece is i is i crank up the saturation because that that makes the the colors more intense um i mean mm-hmm. sometimes there are occasions where you don't want to do that if it's a rainy day or a snowy day and you want to get that effect that sort of hazy gray or whitish effects of the weather mm-hmm. then you want you then you sort of want to tone down the saturation so a lot of this depends on what effect you're trying to achieve if you want to you know get like a snowy or a rainy day then um, you go for gray colors more subdued effects um, but almost always I'm
0: I like doing the col- you know the daytime
1: colorful scenes
0: Well, Jay, we are getting near the end of the show. Uh, One of the questions I always do like to ask our guests is uh, words of advice or wisdom that they would have for uh, other artists that are getting into the art field.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I would say um, one piece of advice is to learn learn the rules so you can break them. So starting (laughs) off as an artist... (laughs) This is one of the things they tell you, right? It's like, you know, why do I have to go through all this if I'm not even going to follow them? But but once you understand those rules, you know why they work. And so when you want to change something, you know why what you changed also works. So Mm -hmm. I think learning the rules is important, and I've taken a lot of time to get to do that. Um, And now I feel like I have a little more freedom to sort of, do things my own way or go out on a limb, try a different technique and so forth. Um, so that would be my first piece of advice. And I, and I would say follow your heart. I mean, um, you know, once you get to the point where where you're, you're technically proficient and accomplished as an artist at that stage, I think it's important to follow your heart. So in some sense, it's like you start off with your mind and then you, and then you, then you switch over to your heart because your heart is going to tell you what you love and what you what looks good to you, and chances are, if you do that, if you follow your own unique talents and 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 traits, you're going to produce art that's different than anybody else and that's going to be worth viewing. So you 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 need to balance again, um, you know, learning from people who you know learning from people who know what they're doing. Learning learning the things that do work and then after that not being afraid to experiment, not being afraid to go out and do something that you think is a unique
0: expression of your of yourself. Well, that's great advice, Jay, and uh wonderful advice. And the other question I was gonna ask, if I may, um you'd mentioned earlier in the show that you you ha- are being represented by three galleries, and I know a lot of times that's the hardest thing for an artist to be able to do is is you know get into a gallery. Any advice you'd give on the that process?
1: Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I I started off like everybody else without having any any sort of gallery representation. Um, there's a guide to a guide for graphic designers, photographers, and artists that's published every year. And it lists um, different art venues. So it has one sec, one whole section devoted to galleries, another section mm-hmm. that's devoted to like art magazines and, and and books and so forth. And actually, when I, when I first started off, this is a very good, a very useful resource for me. And so mm-hmm. I use that to apply to several galleries here in the New York City area, and I and I ended up being accepted into the 440 gallery, which is wonderful gallery. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it's a co-op. It's, it's run collectively by each of the members. So we all sort of pitch in to, to do everything that it takes to keep the gallery running. And, mm-hmm. um, and that, that was sort of my start. After that point, I was actually invited to be a member of the studio 26 gallery, which is uh, located in the East village. Um, and I think, I had gotten a little bit of exposure and so that got the work out there and, and some other gallery owner, it came to the attention of, uh,
0: of Marina Ryder,
1: who's the other, who's the gallery owner at studio 26. Um, I guess she liked my stuff. And so I, um, she invited me to be a member there. Um, so I, so it was sort of a combination of applying to various places, um, and getting exposure. But, um, on on the more practical side i would say it's a long term process that if you want to be successful as an artist you can't get discouraged and can't give up you know if you don't get in somewhere you sort of have to persist at it just every year keep applying keep get you know keep showing your work um and you know it'll at some point it will pay off and uh and 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 so success is is um, you know, some of it is luck, and, and some of it is, is <laughs> just persistence and hard work.
0: Well, you know what luck is. That's where uh, meets opportunity.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you've got to create the opportunities.
0: Well, Jay, I want to thank you for joining us today on An Artist Speaks.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Mike. its It's, it's been a pleasure.
0: Well, it's uh, been our pleasure, too, and certainly enjoyed uh, talking with you today and and we look forward to seeing more of your art
1: Oh, that, that, that's great thank, thank you so much, Michael I really appreciate the
0: opportunity uh, To be able to speak with you on the radio As again, it's our pleasure And I also want to thank our listeners For being with us today And again, to view Jay Friedenberg's Stunning art, to listen to this interview And of course purchase some of Jay's art Visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery online I want to let all of the artists listening in today know that Contemporary Art Gallery Online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. To enter your art, just click on the Art Competition tab and follow the prompts. And while you're there, you can check out all of our upcoming competitions and exhibitions as well. And if you're an architect or an interior designer or just a lover of art who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning your walls, Then visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery online and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. And while visiting our gallery, we'd love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog, so please sign up so you can keep up with all that is happening on the gallery. An Artist Speaks airs every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so we'll meet again next week. Again, thank you for being with us today. And have a great rest of your weekend.